Hey there, I'm Matt Tommy, and over the last 10 years, I've helped thousands of Christian artists all over the world start thriving spiritually, artistically, and in the marketplace, while at the same time building my own super successful art business. If you're ready to bust through the roadblocks that have held you back for years, create the work you love, and really live the life you know God created you to live in His kingdom, then you're in the right place, my friend. Now with over a million downloads, you're listening to the Thriving Christian Artist Podcast. Well, hey, my friends, I'm so glad that you are with me on the podcast today. You know, we interview artists from all over the world uh, here on the Thriving Christian Artist Podcast, but Luke Allsbrook is a friend that's just really right down the road and uh, so excited to have him here with me today. So, Luke, thanks, man, for, for being on the podcast. Awesome. Glad to. Really super excited. Absolutely. Absolutely. For those folks who are, are just getting to know you, I know a lot of painters out there will be like, oh my gosh, Luke Allsbrook. So many of them will know who you are, but give us an idea of who you are, what you do, where you are in the world, and, and then we'll kind of jump into some of your backstory today. Yeah. Um, well, you, I live in Waynesville, North Carolina, so a little mountain town, and I've been here since 2004. Uh, married, I have four kids. Two of them are in college. The oldest is just newly married. And um, I'm basically making paintings. And uh, probably uh, most of the paintings I'm making are just going out to galleries that represent me. And then uh, other paintings are on commission. But yeah, uh, that's yeah. what I'm doing, just painting full time and awesome. uh, trying to make ends meet. <laughs> You are one of really, honestly, one of my favorite painters. I love your work. Every time I go down to Blue Spiral and, and see a new piece or something like that, I'm like, oh, I just love what love uh, what you're doing. But how did your journey start for you? Did you start painting as a kid or, or what was that evolution? How has that been for you? Yeah, um, definitely. Um, my parents saw that I like to draw, you know, early on. And I think... Um, I think when you get accolades for something as a kid, that can be a big motivator. So I think sure. that's probably what started. I did a few exceptional things and started to get some accolades. And I was really fortunate all growing up having great teachers. Mm. So my first teacher was a lady named Gloria Jennings. She had a, she had a ginormous file of just pictures from magazine clippings. You know, we'd go through there and pick out a picture of a, you know, German shepherd, whatever yeah. and you do a painting of it. That was my first teacher. And then mainly through my youth, uh, I was mentored by an artist named Ed Rice and he was just amazing. And, um, he loved to paint from life. He loved, uh, to be a student of nature. Mm. Uh, he was a great draftsman. It is a great, great draftsman. Um, just a great guy. He helped me, uh, um, um, my parents have always been super supportive of what I'm doing. Um, yeah, that's kind of how it started. Um, I can keep going with the history. I don't know where you want, what do you want, what do you want me to talk about? No, that's great. I mean, did you go to art school and get a degree or are you, I mean, how did that work out for you? Right. Yeah. So uh, I definitely wanted to go to a college that was good for painting. And I was, from the very beginning, I've always loved traditional realistic painting. So I wanted to go somewhere where I could learn that. So I went to Indiana, Uni Indiana University. They had a reputation for, they have a reputation for traditional 
mm-hmm. painting school. Um, so I went there and again, great teachers there. There's a lady there named Bonnie Sklarsky. She was amazing. And I was doing a lot of landscape painting there. It's Bloomington, Indiana, right in the middle of farmland. Yeah, so, gorgeous country. Uh, yeah, yeah. And I think my sophomore year, this lady, who's, who's, who is a believer, she basically said, Luke, she told me a few things, but one of the things she's like, you're going to go to the New York Academy. You have to go to the New York Academy. And that just scared me to death. I, even, I remember having like nightmares about going <laughs> to New York City, you know. But I think over the next two or three years, I got used to the idea and I got married. I met my wife. She's a pianist Mm. and she was in the music department at IU. So we got married right out of college and moved to New York City. And I went to the New York Academy. And the reason I one of the big reasons I went to the Academy, because I don't know if you know, but the New York Academy is all about the figure. Right. So it's like you just breathe a figure for two years. You build anatomical models. You study perspective. It's like you sculpt from the figure, draw from the figure, paint from the figure. So I felt that was my weakest, a weaker area. I was strong in landscape, but I wanted to learn how to do the figure well. Right. So in New York was like, it was such an adventure for us just to get married and move to New York city that, you know, I think that shaped our identity uh, because just not being able to depend on family, just going there as a newly married couple. It was awesome. And again, man, we, we got into uh, Redeemer Presbyterian church with Tim Keller. And that was just an amazing church to be a part of. I'm sure. Um, so I went to the academy. You know, I should back up just one step, though. Uh, did I always want to be an artist? There were a couple crossroads. One big one was in college at IU. And I was considering being a medical illustration illustrator versus fine art. So that was the first big crossroads. Right. And that was everybody goes through that thing of, do I need to do the practical thing? Like to actually make yes. money. Right. <laughs> exactly. And no, that's exactly what it was. And that was a serious consideration because I wanted, I wanted a family. I knew I wanted a family. Yeah. And, you know, my parents being supportive, I think, I think my parents are even more, I think if anything, they were like pushing me towards the fine art direction. They, I think they were, they were supportive or whatever, but I think they, they thought I could do it. So I decided just to go for fine art. Mm. Uh, might have had to do with taking physiology too. That just that class just about sunk me. Uh, <laughs> but, um, I feel the Lord leading in a different direction. Yeah, that's right, man. <laughs> exactly. I love it. I love it. You know, yeah. as a as a young man, and you know, all of us go through this. I don't know that it ever ends, but you know, especially as young married couple, you know, you're trying to find your way in the world and that sort of thing. Did you? sense early on your art as a really divine calling from God? Or was this something that, you know, you had kind of a, a disconnect between your spiritual life and your art life? Right? When did that begin to kind of connect for you? Because I know that's really a big part of who you are and how you, how you create. Yeah, I think it was always together. It was never a separate thing. Um, I mentioned Bonnie Sklarsky at IU. She's a, was my professor and a believer. And I remember one time in the in the studio, I was anxious about, I can't remember what, 
And she said, Luke, um, you, she looked at my painting. She said, Luke, you're going to be doing this for the rest of your life. Mm. And it was one of those defining moments where I don't know if it's, I guess it was prophetic in a way, but it's like, it was just one of those moments where a person speaks into your life just. To, and so that was kind of a defining moment, but I, yeah, I always felt that painting was, uh, yeah, was part of a search for truth. Uh, even being faithful to nature, you know, mm. being faithful to what I'm seeing, glorifying what I'm seeing, that all went side by side with uh, ideas and the Christian faith. So, yeah. 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 It was you know, more I, working it out. Like, how am I going to make this work? God, what am I supposed to do? That was the hard part. Sure. So after you finished the Academy, I mean, did you guys stay in New York city or did you move? Cause you had, you came to Waynesville, what, 2004. So there's some time in there. What was going on in that time? Yeah, almost a decade. And now, honestly, that, that was the difficult part because I had visions of my MFA show and a New York gallery, seeing my painting and in like, it's like, nothing happened. Mm. I graduated from the Academy. It's like silence. There's nothing happening. Wow. My first job, thankfully was I got on a grand jury in New York city, <laughs> which was like every morning for a month. So uh, that kind of kept me busy, but nothing happened. And then I, I think another, just a moment that I'm, I'm really proud of when I look back is I, uh, I was just painting in my studio and painting, you know, uh, in Central Park and stuff. Uh, and, and I mean, my studio apartment in my apartment. But I thought, you know, I should try and teach. That was my next thing. Well, this is how I can support myself, and my family. I've got to get into teaching. So I went to the New York Public Library, no Internet at that point, and went through all these ginormous books of colleges in the New York area. Uh, and I uh, started applying for every adjunct position I could. And I got back one response from uh, William Patterson University in New Jersey. And uh, the guy hired me and I showed up the, the morning. Basically, I showed up to teach. He was looking over my resume and all of a sudden he goes, wait, you never taught before? <laughs> Oops. <laughs> It's like, well, I have now. <laughs> That's right. Just give me a couple hours and I'll have my first class under my belt. Right? Yeah. yeah. But that that was huge because uh like I, I felt like I had no hope and I just went in there and just there there was no parents to help me. There was no one, it was like all my own. And I just went through those those books and applied and landed a job. And I think that it was peanuts mm. in terms of pay. Yeah, but it got me going. You know, it got me into the art world. It got me teaching, and um, so after that, I got uh, a studio in Brooklyn. It was just in a warehouse in Brooklyn for you know, there were like uh, pigeons in the. They were actually <laughs> in the rafters inside. Yeah, but that was great. You know, it took me like forty minutes to get out there by subway, but that was my first studio. Um, so I was adjunct teaching. I was painting. I was trying to get into galleries, which was humiliating. Mm. Um, the New York gallery scene. Uh, so um, 
Man, there's so many different things I could talk about, but well, so what what is God saying in the middle of all that? Because you're like, here you are, strung out, yeah. doing the best you know how to do, trying to hear God's voice, start a family. Your wife's yeah. up there with it. Your your family's not anywhere around you. I mean, what what is going through your mind? I mean, how is the Lord sustaining you in the middle of that? Yeah. Um, definitely the verse that comes to mind. Can't even remember where it is. You probably know, but it's a verse that says. The, the man goes out with tears, uh, casting seed, yeah. and then he comes back home rejoicing. Yeah. And somehow I got in my head uh, that, look, Luke, this is what God wants you to do. No matter how hopeless or how mm. anxious you are, fearful, your job is to cast seed. That, and, that, and that's been kind of a guiding star for me in my art career because, you know, there are no rules for a painting career. Right. So I just started casting seeds. So if it came to anything like galleries, I just start sending out slides. Yeah. I tried cold calling. I would just, just kept, it's like, anything and I, you could. right. Yes. And I didn't look at a certain point. I got so many rejections. I, I could actually show you here in my studio. I keep a folder for my <laughs> kids and my students of all my rejections it is about an inch and a half thick rejections from galleries from schools. Cause I'm like applying to get a uh, tenure track yeah. teaching jobs. And I, at a certain point, it's like, I'm not even going to think about if something's going to come back positive, negative, I'm just going to keep casting seed. Right. Right. And that was kind of a spiritual, um, a spiritual principle really, because that has to do with trust. Like yeah. pull it. this is my part, trust God with the rest. Yeah. But I had to put that into practice. So I love that though. That's the essence of faith, though, right? We're walking. I mean, you we're, we're we have a dream that God's put something on our heart, but we have no idea how it's going to happen. But we know that it will happen because you know He's walking with us, and I, that's I think the challenge for all of us, right? To be able to walk in the middle of the darkness. Who was it? Tony Evans that said, "Don't don't doubt in the darkness what God's told you in the light." I think it's yeah. what he, I mean. I love that. It's we're all having to hold on to um, those promises. I love, you know, one of the things I love about you, Luke, um, and we've not spent a huge amount of time together, but you are one of the most humble people that I know. Uh, and yet at the same time, one of the most talented and most celebrated uh, artists around. I mean, you've had some major, major accolades in your life and it'd be so easy, I think, for you to to rest on that and to, you know, present that when you meet, you know, somebody meets you and that sort of thing. And yet that is the furthest thing um, that comes to my mind when, when I hear somebody say your name, it's always, man, he is the sweetest guy, the nicest guy. He's so willing to talk and share and, and, a, and a great person. How are you continuing to believe for growth and believe for accolades and all the things that we want in our art businesses? And at the same time, walk humbly with the Lord and, and with others. Hmm. Um, I think, um, I think in terms of the accolades, um, it's always been a struggle for me to, to, I don't know how else to say it, but maybe people that are listening will identify with it, but just to get in a calm place and mm. paint, because you can't paint when you're, when you're anxious and jazzed up and like up off the ground a little bit. It's like, there's a certain, there's something about creativity where you have to be so, something about you has to be at rest, you know? Mm -hmm. And 
what I've learned over the years is um, any successes you have, like let's say, and they're all at their stages, right? It's like the right. first time you get represented by a gallery. Well, I've arrived, you know, <laughs> your first opening, whatever it is, your first museum show. Um, I got to travel with Prince Charles, but anything like that I found does not help you to get to that place. Mm. It's destabilizing. I'm just saying for me, that's what yeah. I've experienced. Yeah. Those kind of successes are destabilizing. And as I've gone on more and more in my career, I just turned 50 a month ago. I know now that the best place to be is, I'm looking at my painting, is like in front of that canvas or say out in front of a stream, like just me in the canvas and actually in that place of like, I see that, put it down. I see that, put it down. Wow, like that, it's almost like nothing else matters but that, like getting to that place. Yeah. So um, I, th- I, I don't know if that answers your question, but I think it's realizing what's important, mm-hmm. what makes you feel at peace, what is fulfilling and what's destabilizing, you know, what can what can make you um, off the ground and, and not centered Yeah, close to God where, you know, then you run into problems with temptation and uh, yeah. So, yeah, that's huge. I remember uh, I mentioned before, as we were talking earlier, uh, our friend, Michael Sherrill, who's incredible sculptor. I remember when he spoke at our gathering of artisans conference years ago and talked about this kind of retrospective of his career and the awards and, you know, getting into Smithsonian and winning this or winning that and that sort of thing. And he yeah. said, I remember, I never forget. He said, you know, you think when you get into Smithsonian, like I'm never going to have to sell a piece again. Like it'll be lines of people that will be, you know, coming to buy my work. And it's like, Oh, you know, this sort of thing. Yeah. And yet that's not what happens. You know, the next day you go back to doing what you do. <laughs> and yeah. it's one, it's one part of the journey. I've, you know, had some of that in my life. You've had that in your life. And I, I really just, I appreciate that. It really comes back to, you know, who does God say that I am? I'm going to get in the sweet space in the studio and do the thing that, that I know. And that's, and that's where the grace I was is. made to do. I'm like, I'm actually walking in his path when I'm in the right place, doing what I'm supposed to be doing. Yeah. yeah. Um, I was going to say too, you said about the, I had, I've had definitely had the same experience. Like I get some magazine article and you think this is going to change everything. There's something about, <laughs> Again, this is just my experience. That does not, that doesn't really have anything to do with your sales. The only thing that has to do with your sales is you create a great painting, a beautiful painting. It hangs in a gallery. Somebody sees it and goes, wow, I've got to have that. Yeah. That's what yeah. makes a sale. Yeah. And then yeah. I've never seen any of those other things, I don't think, have any huge impact on, that, on sales per se. Yeah. So yeah. I don't know. I guess it could. I don't know. I haven't seen it. <laughs> now, from, I always love to ask people from, from a business standpoint, lots of people do different things to make a life as an artist. You mentioned just turning 50, four kids, couple in college, you know, yeah. like everybody trying to, trying to make it and, and, and do the thing. So what is, does your business look like as far as how you're working it out every day, making a living as an artist? And how has that changed over the years as you've, evolved into who you are now yeah let me go back to that again i was a decade in uh new york city and during that time 
most of it, I was just killing it, trying to get a tenure track job. I thought that's how was my only chance to make a living. Mm. And we, when we were in New York, I had our first two kids. So uh, my wife did, (laughs) (laughs) and you know, we were in a one bedroom apartment and we had two closets and the two kids were sleeping in the closet. So like, that's pressure, man. I'm like, how am I going to, and my wife was, had been working, but she stopped working. It's like, I was, man, it was a lot of pressure. Yeah. What happened with me? I never got one of those tenure track jobs, but all the time my paintings were selling more and more. Yeah. So at a certain point, I just found myself where I was. It's yeah. Like, oh, I my best chance of making a living is just to paint. Yeah. And I uh, I started to realize too, like, look, I'm not cut out for academia. <laughs> <laughs> I would have been walking around with a ginormous like target on my back, and it's like I'm glad I didn't go that way. Yeah. Uh, so it just kind of worked out that way. So as I am now. I'm kind of doing the same thing that I'm doing that I did when I was had left New York, which is I'm just, just painting and uh, I've gotten more and more galleries that and more and more um, reputable galleries that represent my work. And I'm just painting and sending those paintings out to galleries. And I get, I go through phases, but say maybe 20, 30% of my painting time is from maybe commission work somebody wants a portrait or, uh, you know, a landscape, uh, from where they grew up or something, you know? Um, but it's mostly just going out, asking myself, well, I'm getting into some different issues, but yeah, just painting and then sending it to galleries. That's what I'm doing professionally. Yeah. Well, you kind of mentioned, uh, maybe this is a nice way to kind of wrap up our time together, but you mentioned, loving being on site painting and that sort of thing. I know yeah. right now you're working on a, uh, I think 120 year old farm and that sort of thing. And when yeah. I, when I think of your work and some of the, my favorite of your pieces, it's these old farms is these Western Appalachia landscapes and, and that yeah. sort of thing. What about that setting really lights your fire creatively? And then maybe talk about this project that you're, that you're on right now. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm glad you asked that. Cause I was, I was going to say, when I think about what I love to paint, I do paintings out of my head and in the studio. In those paintings, I I ask myself a question, like if I could do one painting in the world, what would it be? Mm. Okay, maybe it's Jesus washing the disciples' feet or a, a home at twilight or whatever. I ask myself that question. If, it, if I could only do one, what would it be? Yeah. Now, painting out in the landscape's a little bit different. I'll just wander. I'll wander around till I find a locale and I used to get to know the farmers there, whatever. And that's more like I'll walk around a a new farm. And the one I'm on right now is it's a 120 year old dairy farm. It's kind of like, like a lot of farms in Appalachia, it's kind of fallen into disrepair, but it's just, Oh my gosh, it's so beautiful. And, and I'm looking for that moment. I'm just walking around and all of a sudden I'll just see a scene I'll compose it. And it's like, there it is. As soon as that moment happens, it's like the painting is done in my book. Yeah. It's like, I found it. All I've got to do is be faithful and put the work in and, and just copy what I'm seeing. Yeah. Or, or cap, try and capture what I'm seeing. Um, now, will you do the whole piece right there on site or will you photograph it and bring it back for reference or, or continue to go back to that same spot? Or I mean, what does that look like for you as you're creating? Well, you're out in nature, which is unpredictable. So 
bottom line, if I can be out in front of it, out there, I would much rather be right there. But, you know, the season's changing, the light's changing, sure. stuff happens. And so, yeah, I'm using photographs, studies, memory, uh, all that. But if I can, if I can possibly be there and paint on site from life, that's what I want. And probably the best comparison is that's the same thing I want with my relationships. Like talking on the phone, texting with somebody it is not this, even this, yeah. it's not the same as if Matt was in the room with me. It's like, yeah. that is, that's reality. You know, there's nothing that's irreplaceable. Yeah. And you know, I think I, I have to say, as you're saying that, I think there's a, when I see your work, um, there is that intimacy of mm. connection that you feel when you, when you see that, um, I'm thinking of this one that hung at blue spiral forever. I don't know who bought it. I, I, I should have bought it, but it was I just, I remember it was this old kind of broken down farmhouse and the way the light and the way you positioned it, I mean, it's just, you just felt this intimacy. And I think this, that's the beautiful thing about, I think what God's doing in and through you, Luke, is that, you know, the same intimacy that you long for relationally is showing up in the work uh, huh. create and, and people feel that, you know, people feel oh, that. So appreciate that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, I'm certainly when I'm there, it almost becomes like that place becomes almost sacred to me. I'm so in love with it. Mm. So, yeah, if I can, if the person that's looking at pain can feel a little bit of like what I'm experiencing looking at it, then that's what I want. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Well, you are doing some incredible work and uh, much, much, much more to come. But I'm just honored that you would take time with us today. Also want to let everybody know Luke is going to actually be one of our keynotes at Gathering of Artisans uh, in 2022. All those details will be coming out uh, in the spring. And so be looking for that. But we're so excited to have you there and uh, just sharing more about your journey and and uh, see some of your work. But tell everybody where they can get in, in touch with you um, online, because I know folks are that may not be familiar with you are, are going to definitely want to uh, connect online and, and follow your work. Yeah. I mean, kind of everywhere. I've got a website, lukealsbrook.com and I'm on Facebook, Instagram. I've got a YouTube channel. So awesome. I think once you get into one place, it connects everywhere else. That's right. That's yeah. right. Matt, well, it's we... such a pleasure talking to you, man. Oh. <laughs> I really appreciate it. <laughs> Likewise. Thanks so much for being on today, man. Appreciate it. Hey, thanks so much for spending a few minutes with me today on the podcast. Listen, I hope it's been a huge encouragement to you on your journey as an artist. Hey, also, before you leave, make sure to hit the subscribe button so you don't miss any of the other episodes of the Thriving Christian Artist Podcast. And also, be sure to connect with me on Facebook, Instagram, or at my website, which is matttommymentoring.com. Until next time, remember, you were created to thrive. Bye-bye.